the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. 
He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have. Good morning. Welcome to Victory Christian Fellowship right here in Palmyra. We're so glad that you're here. If you're watching in or tuning in, we just say hello to you as well. Father, you are a great and mighty God. And you show forth your strength and power to us. You give us your wisdom and your grace. And Lord, we are in love with you. We bless your name. We lift you up in this place today. And we welcome your presence here with us. And we give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
just worship Him for His Lord. We come back to say thank you, Lord, that in our lifetime we can see the miracle-working power of God. That in our lifetime we can see answered prayers. Hallelujah. We worship you in this place, Lord. We declare in this house that Jesus is King. We declare that Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship. We worship you in this place, Lord. We worship you in this place, Lord. Oh, we worship Almighty God. We come to bring thanksgiving in the house of God. That we can be part of your grand agenda on this earth. That we can live to see what you do in the lives of people. What you do in our lives, Lord. What you can do in your church.
Heavenly Father, we exalt you because you are the God of life. Life comes from you. You give us life. And you protect life. You defend life. Lord, and we are for life. And we thank you, Lord, that you are working in this nation. You are overturning laws. You are doing things, Lord. We praise you for the God, for who you are. We lift up the name of Jesus in this place. And Lord, we pray for this nation. And we give you thanks and praise, Lord, that more rulings that are just and righteous will come down in the name of Jesus. But Lord, we exalt you. We thank you for this victory. Lord, we thank you that you give this nation this victory, Lord, at this time in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just bless you and praise you in this place. You are worthy, O Lord. And we know, Father, when you do something the enemy doesn't like, all he can do is lie about it. All he can do is deceive about it. But Lord, it can't, it doesn't change what you've done, what you've done, Lord. And we praise you. We glorify you. We honor you in this place. <laughs> and Father, we ask your protection upon every place and organization that promotes life. Hallelujah. Protect them, Lord. Deliver them from evil because not all men have the faith. Oh, we glorify you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Folks, we got a great victory in this nation and we're going to get more victories. Amen. It's a good lesson not to lose faith. Because God can turn things around. Hallelujah. And Father, we thank you that you're here and that you speak to us. Hear the word of the Lord. God has given you faith ears to hear his message. His message is true. His message is free. His message comes from him. Oh, take heed to my word. For everything that I do in this earth, I do by my word. I will stand by my word. You can trust in my word. And my word will work for you, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word. Oh, and we bless you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord Jesus. We give God praise. And everybody said, amen, hallelujah, God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Don't they do a phenomenal job? Amen. Hallelujah.
We so appreciate everyone that gives of their time and volunteers here for VCF. And we're so grateful for everything that our volunteers do. Amen. Hallelujah. There we go. Now we're on. (laughs) One of the things that we like to do here at VCF is every quarter we emphasize a topic and we make a confession based on God's word. We want to invite everyone to join us and let's make our confession together. God's God's kingdom kingdom operates on the principle of seed time and harvest. Seeds are powerful tools that bring increase and produce harvest. God has empowered us to be fruitful and multiply. Our God is good to us, and his blessing causes the earth to yield its harvest for us. We purposely plant our seed in good ground, and it grows, ripens, and we reap its return. We know the condition of our assets and pay close attention to our finances so that our family is well taken care of, and we are able to help others. We work in God's kingdom. We receive wages and gather fruit for eternal life. We rejoice when we plant and when we reap. Our seeds begin to increase greatly the moment they are planted. We reap abundantly because we sow generously. We cheerfully and freely give to God's work and kingdom. God makes every favor and earthly blessing come to us. And we have more than enough to do what God wants and give to others. We are sowers and the Lord gives us seed and meets our needs according to his riches riches in Christ. He multiplies our resources and increases our righteousness so we are enriched in every way. We walk worthy of the Lord and please him in all things. We are fruitful producing abundant harvest in every good work and steadily growing in the knowledge of God. Our faith is strong, our insight is clear, and our love is strong for God's word. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Amen. Good morning, VCF. Uh, We got some announcements today, and I'm going to work backwards. Keep everybody on their toes. All right, we have our new Shopify store on our website, vcfpa.org, and we've already gotten some orders in, which is awesome. So thank you to everyone who has continued to support that. And also, we would like to say congratulations to all of our graduates. I'll say we have a lot of graduates this year. Um, All right, so first one. Dr. Fiona got her doctorate from Liberty University. Pastor Nelson is graduating from Warrior Note School of Ministry. Pastor Nadine graduated from Western Governors University. Nathan graduated from Harrisburg Area Community College, or HACC. Uh, Miss Lisa, my mom, graduated from Rama Correspondence Bible School. And Kelsey graduated from high school this year. 
So we celebrate all of our graduates and all of the great things that God is doing with their degrees and the things to come as well. All right. Then this week, we have Wednesday Night Refreshing at 630. It's going to be awesome. I encourage you to come out and bring someone with you. And announcement, we do not have youth group this Tuesday. However, the youth are always doing something. So Palazzo Creations, we have um, sugar cookies, like real big sugar cookies, um, that you can get decorated if you want to participate in that. I know July 4th is coming up as well. So we always have new fundraisers and are being creative with our abilities. All right, so that's it for my announcements. Um, the fact that I would like to share with you guys today, which for those of you who don't know, when I do announcements, I share some sort of educational, science-y, technology fact that I've learned. So this week I learned that there's a new technology coming out that's kind of, you know, being developed called blockchain, right? So what that is often used for, you might hear it with like electronic currency, like Bitcoin and that sort of thing, but it's being used and developed for other areas. And it's a type of cybersecurity system that is apparently unhackable. And the reason for that is because they created a program where it cannot be deleted. So anytime the data is inputted, it blocks it off and adds like a chain, okay? So it can never like ever be reversed or anything like that. So that got me thinking, since it's like considered the highest security for the web, that is possible. And that's because like I said, nothing can ever be deleted or reversed, which thank God that for the word of God, that's kind of how he works, right? What he says happens, doesn't ever get reversed, and it is the highest form of security that we have. So that's why we have to speak the word of God out. That's my fact for today. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want you to uh, stand for just a minute. And I want you to go find someone and greet them and welcome them and just say hello. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. Praise the Lord. 
Well, we welcome you to Victory Christian Fellowship. Here you can find your treasure and inheritance in God's Word, and you can find your purpose. I'm going to share a scripture, then we're going to dismiss the kids, and then Dr. Fiona is going to come up and share for a moment. But um, I want you to look at Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25, and uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. Exodus 25, verses 1 through 8. And the Lord spoke to Moses. Who spoke? The Lord. So this was the Lord's idea. This was the Lord's design. Okay? He said, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. Who's the offering going to? It's going to him. Right? But how does that work? When, when an offering is given on earth, you, you know the Bible says he receives it in heaven. Because yeah. he receives the faith and the love that it's done in. Amen? Amen. He says, uh, that they bring me an offering of every man that gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take of them, gold, silver, brass, Blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen, goat's hair. Anybody got any goat's hair? (laughs) Uh, And ram skins dyed red and badger skins and shittim wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for sweet incense. Onyx stones, stones to be set in the ephod. Now they were, they were priceless gems that was set in the ephod. And uh, and in the breastplate, verse 8, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Amen? The whole idea of God supporting his church was his idea. And it comes through offerings, tithes and offerings. Amen? And uh, God, God, when God asks you to give something, he always promises to give you a great return for it. Amen? And uh, those of you uh, who give, you know that God will give to you. Amen? And he does. So here at VCF, you can give any time during the service. We have a container here and a container over there as you come in, the wooden containers. We call those our seed planters. There's envelopes there if you want to designate it for anything. And uh, if you're watching online, you can give. There's all kinds of ways to give. Amen? But, Father, and I just thank you so much. I pronounce a blessing. The blessing of the Lord that empowers people on them, on their gifts and on the givers, Father. May your blessing come and overtake them. Cause them to be protected, to be prospered, and to be provided for. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we got, right now we we conduct our kids' life, which is kids living in faith every day. Thank you for our dynamic teachers and our wonderful kids. So kids, have a good class. Be blessed. Thank you, my love. You know, I wanted to just address, you know, this big victory that happened that the world is asking us to not make a big deal out of. Um, But we should, right? (laughs) Amen. Amen. 
And, and I just wanted to bring some perspective. Um, the reason it's a big victory is the devil has to work 50 times harder now to accomplish what he had a blanket permission to do in the United States. And so now every state has to decide what they're going to do. And, um, and that also gets us to look and see the difference between light and darkness in um, how what the belief systems are. So it also gives us a map of how we pray and how we can pray for the salvation and for light to come to darkness. Amen? I want us to be reminded of John 3.16, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. It says, For here is the way God loved the world. He gave his only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. So now there is no longer any condemnation for those who believe in him. But the unbeliever already lives under condemnation because they do not believe in the name of the only Son of God. And here is the basis for their judgment. The light of God has now come into the world, but the people loved darkness more than the light because they wanted a darkness to conceal their evil. So the wicked hate the light and try to hide from it, for the light fully exposes their lives. But those who love the truth will come into the light, for the light will reveal that it was God who produced their fruitful works. So the reason I'm bringing this into perspective is for us to shy away from the light that was just shed on our country and the darkness that was removed is to deny the glorious victory that God just put in this country. Amen? And don't, don't be accused of condemning someone because you are rejoicing that light has come. The condemnation already exists over someone that has rejected Jesus. It's already there. And we could see it in the whole world system as the responses are coming in. Do you understand? I just want us to make sure as Christians we stand in the proper place. And then this way we don't have to fight with darkness. That's already been won. Amen? So the condemnation, what Jesus offered for the thing that is condemning the world, the darkness that is condemning the world, is not the right to kill someone. What he offered is his own life. He already died. And so he offered the opportunity to receive what he has already done. And the gift to remedy these situations is not to get rid of the thing that occurred because of what sin might have happened and what, what uh, attack or trauma may have happened in someone's life to cause this. It is simply the love of God that takes care of mending the brokenhearted, of setting captives free, because an abortion does not remove those things. It, it may remove the evidence of something that, uh, that attacked a woman that caused her to get pregnant because that's the big thing. But 
really the majority of abortions did not happen from people who have been attacked or who had those types of pregnancies. A lot of it was choice, as is expressed in the movement that supports this. Okay, it's all about choice. So my point is, do not stop rejoicing in the victory that God has given us, because that is a key part to seeing more light in places of darkness. Folks, the best remedy for the world is the light, the love of God. And we cannot hide from, we have to be part of the light of God because we already have him in us. Amen? So I want to make sure that we're not putting condemnation on ourselves for rejoicing, feeling as if we rejoice about this, somebody else is now going to suffer. No, they're already under condemnation. And the only way to get out from under that is to come in to the love that Jesus has offered through his death and resurrection. Amen. So if anything we can do during this time is to witness about the goodness of God, is to witness about the love of God and what Jesus did on the cross. And it is not being harsh or uncaring to not be concerned about people who have legitimate issues that they thought this was a solution to. Because this created a bigger problem for people who who made a choice to do it apart from any kind of a crime against them. Do you see? There are many ladies today and they're hurting because of a choice they made without proper information. So we want light to come everywhere. We want them to understand the, the beauty of life. And we want them we want opportunities for people who want to help and who want to adopt and who want to, you know, have kids. Uh, and they can't. And here's an opportunity. Here's a perfect link. God knows how to make divine appointments. Amen. And so our prayer now could be that the loss be found, that the loss be found. Amen. That every little girl that's hurting, every mama that's got 10 kids already and she don't want another one, whatever the case may be, that the lost be found. Amen. That's my little thing about all this. And also, um, as a church, we are a faithful partner with Align Life Ministries, which is uh, in Lebanon, and uh, they are uh, they are for life. Yes. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Well, you glad you came this morning? Yes. Hallelujah. If you love if you love the Lord, you can say Amen. If you don't, just wait a minute, and you'll fall in love with them very soon. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 14. And we're going to look at uh, verse 22. But this morning, I was impressed to talk to us about how to pray effectively. You know, one of the most dynamic things that we can do as a believer, if you want to change things, we can pray. And as a believer in Christ Jesus, our prayers are powerful. They're effective. And, um, you know, prayer is really communication with God. And through prayer, we can be rescued. We can be delivered. We can allow God to intervene in our situation. 
uh, right where we are. Um, prayer is uh, communication. It can be done anywhere, any place, any time. You don't have to be in a certain position or a certain place to be able to pray. And uh, the Bible talks a lot about prayer. And this morning, we're going to look at the greatest example of prayer, which is Jesus. You know, he, he prayed a lot because he was not only in constant communication with his father, but he was also showing us how to do it effectively, how to do it uh, powerfully. And we're going to look at some of the uh, times that Jesus prayed, and uh, we're going to see some things. Amen. I want you to think about uh, that. What do you want your prayers to accomplish? You know, prayer is not just a religious exercise. It is interaction with the father. You know, communication is both speaking and listening. Right. It's not it's not just you doing all the talking, but it's also listening uh, to the one you're talking to. Amen. You ever been in a conversation where someone does all the talking and you, and you try to get in the word and they just, you know, they don't, they don't even let you get a word in, right? Those aren't fun, are they? But that's not the way it is with God. God is a communicator. He's an expert communicator. And uh, he's given us this uh, method through prayer where we can uh, talk with him. You know, there is power available to those who pray in faith. You know, we have to pray in faith. Amen? How many know that you're in a building right now? Right? And you just didn't materialize here. You actually came into this building, and now you're in. You're not out. You're in. Right? So we have to be able to pray in faith. Amen? So in other words, you got to make a conscious decision to pray in faith. Hallelujah. And uh, prayer changes things. Uh, prayer is divine communication. Uh, through prayer, you can receive wisdom, insight, understanding of God's ways, direction, strength, help, and anything that you need from God. All right? So what is effective prayer? We have to establish this. If we're going to talk about effective prayer, we have to understand what it is. And we're going to see how this operated in Jesus' life. Effective prayer is powerful. Everybody say it's powerful. Effective prayer produces good results. Amen? It produces results. It invites and welcomes God's presence. When you pray, there ought to be a divine presence that fills wherever you're praying. Amen? And uh, effective prayer is prayer that changes circumstances from negative to positive. Right? It changes circumstances. Effective prayer enforces God's judgment. Enforces God's... Sometimes we forget that God is a judge. And he's committed the judgment of the end of the world to Jesus. But God sits on a throne of righteousness and justice. Right? And we may, th- we may think, well, how come this person can do whatever they want to do? And God says, listen... It's all going to work out in the end, right? People aren't going to get away with anything when it comes to God, all right? God's an excellent record keeper, right? He knows who's saved. He knows who's not. And when it comes time, he's going to open the books, 
right? And those who believe in Jesus, their name's in the book. Glory to God. And if your name's not in the book, let's get it in there. Amen? So effective prayer, it neutralizes evil. It neutralizes evil, right? Uh, there is evil in this world. And evil came in this world because of sin. Okay? It neutralizes evil. Effective prayer is something that a, a, a believer can do. And uh, it has to be a scripturally informed response. A scripturally reformed response of someone who's saved by grace. Amen? Did you know that God wrote a book about prayer called the B-I-B-L-E? This is the prayer manual. Right? And there's all kinds of people who prayed in here, all kinds of prayers in here, and you can look to see how to pray effectively. I mean, amen? Hallelujah. Okay? Matthew chapter 14. Jesus had just got done feeding the 5,000. Now think about that. He's there. He's teaching, right? And he's teaching so long, the people were following him for days, and they said, you know, you need to feed the people, okay? So uh, they had some fish and some lo- some bread, right? And uh, God multiplied the food, and now he's dispersing the people, all right? Let's start with verse 22. Matthew 14, verse 22. And uh, straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So he's telling his disciples, okay, guys, I want you to get in the ship and go to the other side. I'm going to disperse the crowds, okay? But Jesus had something else to do, all right? Verse 23, and when he had sent the multitudes away, He went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. You know, after doing miracles, you need to recharge. You need to have a conversation with the miracle worker, which is your father. So what did Jesus do? He sent everybody away and he went to pray. He went by himself. See, prayer needs to take place in an atmosphere where you're free from distraction. Why? Because you want to zero in on God's voice. See, too many times we're trying to pray and do everything else. And sometimes when we're doing that, we miss what God is saying to us. How many know God needs some time? Relationships need time. Amen? And Jesus was developing his relationship with his father. How was he doing it? He was praying alone on a mountain by himself, talking with God, God talking with him. He was listening. They were interacting. They were fellowshipping. It was a special time, a special place. And he did this often. Sometimes he did it all night. Sometimes he did it early in the morning. All right. So here Jesus was praying But now his disciples were having a rough time. Verse 24, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, 
for the wind was contrary. Now they had a word from God, go to the other side, but something was opposing the word. You know, did you ever experience any opposition to the word? Huh? Well, this storm that rose up was opposing Jesus's directive. Okay? He's having a conversation with his father. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them. That's about 3 to 6 a.m. They've been there for a long time. And because uh, notice in verse 23, it wasn't evening yet, but when evening had come. So he must have gone to the mountain sometime during the day, and he was there until it got night. Jesus spent some time talking with his father. He spent some time praying, okay? And uh, so in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. How did he know that they were in trouble? I'm sure that his, I'm, I'm just, the Bible doesn't say, but the father said, hey, you better go get your, you better go get your boys. They're in trouble, right? And all of a sudden, Jesus is there walking on the water. You know, when you, when you're, when you pray with the Father, He can disperse you to do great things, right? And Jesus just shows up walking on the water. And when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled. No, they were freaking out. Amen? Saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out of for fear. Now is fear your friend? Should should fear be have have access to you at any given point? No, no matter what experience. I don't care if you see a tarantula or a snake or a bear, you should not fear. Because fear is not in our DNA. And we have to get in the habit of resisting fear, not cooperating with it. Not making it welcome. They were making fear welcome. Alright? So God the Father dispersed his word to go rescue his believers. Because Jesus is the word. So the word was walking on the sea. Okay? But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Everybody say, be not afraid. Listen, we have the word of God. We don't need to fear. Amen? When the word comes on the scene, fear leaves. Did you notice that? And Peter answered him, Lord, if if it's you, bid me come on the water. We know that story, right? Peter got out of the boat, made a few steps, and then sank like a brick because he got his eyes off Jesus. Okay? But that's another message. We're not talking about that. We're talking about Jesus. Ever say Jesus? Jesus prayed. Say Jesus prayed. Now, if Jesus needs to pray, guess what? You and I need to pray. Amen? If you're going to talk to people about God, you had better talk to God about people. We have lots of different prayer groups here at the church. We have a group that intercedes weekly. We have another group that prays. And, uh, you know... If you have my phone number, it's available and you need prayer. This week, I was driving with Josiah. I got a call, someone needed prayer, and I was praying while I was driving. (laughs) See, Jesus, he had to get away from the world for a moment. 
He had to put everything else on hold because the most important thing was he needed to talk with his father. Why do you think that Jesus told Mary when she sat at his feet just listening to him that she chose the better part for the moment? You know, sometimes you got to put life on hold so you can talk with God. Amen. And when you're dealing with heavy things in life, challenging things in life, you got to talk to him more. Amen. Why? You got to get his perspective. You got to get his understanding. You got to get his wisdom. And we do that through prayer. Okay. Jesus was in solitude. He elevated his heart to God. His focus was on God. His attention was on God. Him and God just, just together themselves. No one else was around. All right. And, uh, so he gave us this example. All right. We should, we got to, you know, Jesus lived a life that we could follow. He encouraged people, follow me. Right. He showed us how to live for God. He showed us what a victorious Christian life is. And it's duplicatable. We can do what Jesus did. We can live the way Jesus lived. We can love like Jesus loved. We can treat people like Jesus treats people. Amen? When you mistreat people, you're not walking with God. God doesn't mistreat people. But he certainly whoops the devil. He's already defeated him. Okay? So prayer, Jesus was getting strength. Where do you think he got the strength to walk on the water? It was from that prayer time. Where do you think he got the strength to rescue his disciples in the storm? From that prayer time. He walked out of that prayer time like Superman. Because he was super, he was supernatural man. Amen? This is how we need to walk out of our prayer closet. You know, years ago, in a four-square church, I preached a message called coming out of the closet. Now, the world has perverted that term. But when I say come out of the closet, I'm talking about coming out of the prayer closet. You got to come out with power. You got to come out with strength. You got to come out with a force. Amen. You should never leave your prayer time weaker than when you went in. You should be stronger from when you went in. Why? Because you're talking with the strengthener. What happened with Moses? This is just a little side note. It won't cost you anything extra. It's all included. Moses spent 40 days on a mountain with God. God, in my opinion, God showed him heaven. God said, I'm going to show you the tabernacle, the pattern of the tabernacle so you can build it on earth. He, he, he must have given Moses a tour. How did Moses come off that mountain? He came glowing. I mean, he was glowing so much that the people said, Moses, put a veil on your face. I mean, it wasn't because of makeup. It was because of the presence of the Lord. He spent 40 days in the presence of God, and Moses came out with a force. He came out... He was lit up, literally. His face was glowing from the presence of God. That's how we ought to come out of our prayer time. You know, we shouldn't come, oh, what'd you do? I was just praying. You've been talking to the wrong person. You ought to come out prayer stronger than when you went in. 
You were just doing a fleshly exercise if you come out worn out. All right, let's go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. You know, we can learn everything from the Master. How to live, how to give, how to love, how to walk. Hallelujah, how to deal with devils. Glory to God, how to come against religious systems. How to stand your ground. Everything that the Master did, we can learn from. Because we can do. Mark chapter 1. And uh, let's go to uh, verse 28, Mark chapter 1, verse 28, and we're going to read down through verse 35. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. You know, the more famous you are, the more time you better pray. Why? Because... Fame has entrapments with it. If you're not spiritually strong, you'll succumb to those entrapments. I heard the president of PA Family uh, Association, I think that's what it's called, Michael Greer. I was at a meeting one time and he said, when a, a newly elected official gets elected, you wouldn't believe how many temptations they have when they get into office. Temptations of all sorts. They get bombarded. Why? Because the enemy wants that influence. And, and, and we got, the, the more famous you are, the more, the greater position you have, the greater time you gotta pray. Why? Because your, your strength comes from God, not from your position. Amen? Okay? So his fame spread about verse 29. Forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John, but Simon's wife, mother, lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And at evening, everybody say evening. When the sun did set, they broke, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils and all the city was gathered together at the door. So he, 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 he gets a call. Peter's mother-in-law is sick with a fever, right? She was in the last stage of a terrible disease and they were going to burn the house, right? According to Dr. Ron, he gave us that information and Jesus came in and healed her. Okay. And this story, according to Dr. Ron, is actually recorded in Roman history. All right? So now he heals Peter's mother-in-law, okay? But now the whole city is bringing people to get healed at Peter's house. Okay? Everybody say, the city. Come on. Oh, we, we got to get up there. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay? Now, verse 34. He healed many that were sick of diverse diseases, cast out many devils, and suffered not the devil to speak. Hallelujah. Because they knew him. Now look at verse 35. I want you to see, he spends all day into nighttime ministering. And what does he do the first thing in the morning, verse 35? And in the morning, rising up a great while before the day he went out and departed into a solitary place and there what did he do 
He prayed. Everybody say, he prayed. Man, he ministered all day. But he wants to be sure to connect with his father. So that he stays strong. You know, Jesus walked this earth as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. Just like you and I walk this earth. He gave up his right to act like God, even though he was God. He took the form of a servant. So he gets up early. And the whole purpose of getting up early is to pray. Well, I mean, he ministered all night. The man was tired. So he gets up early. And he prays. Hallelujah. So he needed that time with God. He's given out, given out, given out. He needs to take in. And that's what he's doing through prayer. He's talking with his father. He's communicating. He was in constant communication with his father. He was always listening to the father's voice. Because he always, he maintained a good, strong prayer life. Amen? And, uh, look at verse 36. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. Where's Jesus? We gotta go with them. You know, Jesus never had, uh, moments, he, he never had a lot of moments where he was just alone. He had, he had to, he had to make, everybody said, make time. Oh God, I can't fit you in my schedule. No, that's wrong. You gotta make time. Problem is, God's not on your schedule to begin with. And when they had found him, they said unto him, all men seek for you. How'd you like that demand? Amen? All men are seeking for you. They're looking for you. And then he said unto them, let's go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for therefore I came forth. Where did he get the information on which towns to go to? Because he was praying with his father. In his conversation with his father, the father said, you need to go to this town, this town, this town, and minister here, here, here. He got the direction on where to go from his prayer time. He was, he showed him, God showed him where to go. All right? And, uh, you know what? Every, every person's schedule is different. You gotta find your prayer time that works for you. If it's early in the morning, great. If it's late at night, great. The whole point is you gotta be consistent in it. Amen? I spend a lot of time in prayer before I get into the pulpit. I'm praying and I'm studying. And if what I'm studying isn't the right, there, there's been times where I'm studying, it's like, no, study now. Then I hit a gusher. I mean, how many know what it means, that, what, what, what I mean when I say I hit a gusher, right? It's like I connect, that's, that's what God wants. It resonates within my spirit. Even the order of my points. Sometimes I have changed the order. Because God wants to emphasize something else at a certain time, Amen. And yes, I have notes, but I'm not tied to the notes. Amen? I don't have the anointing that Dr. Fiona has because it's different. Right? 
she has a prophetic. She tried to make my notes one time. It was funny. She laughed herself. Because <laughs> that's not her. Right? I'm not her. She's not me. We're different. Even though we're married and we're together. Amen? But we operate different. And that's okay. Celebrate your uniqueness. Amen? Hallelujah. Go to Psalm 5. Psalm chapter 5. Just take a look at this for a minute. Psalm chapter 5. What are we talking about? Praying effectively. You know, a lot of religious people pray, but they're not really effective. Look at Psalm 5, starting with verse 1. This is a Psalm of David. David had a relationship with the Lord, too. He said, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto you will I pray. David is having a conversation with his father. All right? Verse 3, my voice shall you hear in the morning. Did you know that God recognizes your voice? And he wants to hear your voice when you pray. There's not really much evidence in the Bible of silent prayer. You know, a preacher got up and said, let's take a moment of silent prayer. And the devil said, amen. Prayer, you ought to be using your voice. You ought to be using your words. Amen? Verse 4. Well, he says, in the morning I will direct my prayer unto you, and, and I will look up, for you are not a God that has pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell in you. All right? So David was a prayer. I... You know, if you, if you were chased like a fugitive with Saul, you'd be a prayer too. You know, one time there was a, uh, oh, I don't want to go there. Well, let me say it this way. There was a taxi cabber, taxi cab driver who uh, ended up in heaven and people were wondering how he ended up in heaven and uh, the Lord said, well, when people were in his taxi, they prayed. <laughs> so he inspired a lot of people to pray by his driving. <laughs> Amen. Go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119 and verse 145. Psalm 119, 145, I cried with my whole heart, hear me, Lord, I will keep your statutes. Okay? All right? Verse, look at 147. I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried, I hoped in your word. All right? Let's go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Hallelujah.
And let's look at verse 16, Luke 5, verse 16. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Jesus was a rugged prayer, man. He prayed on mountains. He prayed early in the morning and he prayed in the wilderness. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching. Notice he, was, he prayed before he taught. Why? He wanted to talk to God. He wanted to get God's perspective on what he needed to teach and what he needed to say. We already have his testimony. Jesus said, the words that I say are the Father's words, right? The works that I do are the Father's works. What I see him do, he does, right? So he had a close connection with God, and he was in constant prayer, all right? So he withdrew himself, all right? And uh, let's go to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. Oh, uh, let's, let's, start, let's back up to verse 9. He kind of agitates the religious spirit here. Then Jesus said unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And looking round about them, All he said unto the man, stretch forth your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. Now look at verse 11. And they were filled with madness and communed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Would that make you pray? Yeah, when people come against you, what do you need to do? Stop, drop, and pray. Look at verse 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer. What was he praying about? He was praying about building his team because following verses, he chose his disciples. Before he chose his disciples, he prayed all night. He wanted to get God's perspective on who the people should be to help him in his work. And then he chose the people. You think he got some wisdom from God in his prayer time about who to choose, right? And uh, he did, right? And they list their names, and uh, he chose them, right? And that was, he got that in his prayer time. Yeah, including Judas. All right, go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. We're looking at the master on how he prayed, because then we're going to pray how he prayed. This is when he fed the 5,000. I want you to know what he said before he fed. <laughs> Verse 11, John six eleven, And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given what? I want you to notice something. Before he distributed, before they were multiplied, he gave thanks. Giving thanks is a form of prayer. There is a prayer of thanksgiving, right? He was giving thanks to God. He was giving thanks to his Father. And in giving thanks to God, God supernaturally multiplied what was in his hand. And he began to distribute it out. But that's a form of prayer, all right? And he distributed to them... And uh, they had more than enough. Everybody say more than enough. That's a powerful, effective prayer, isn't it? He's giving thanks. 
You know, you know what Peter prayed when he was sinking in the water? Help! That was his prayer. See, prayers don't have to be a wordy. You don't have to have a lot of words. You just have to communicate the right message. Amen? And if, if you communicate your message in one word, help, that's all you need. Right? Did Jesus understand what Peter said? Yes, because where he helped him, didn't he? Jesus understood it. The message got across. How do you know if you're praying effectively? Does the message get across? Amen? Okay? Hallelujah. See, you need to pray in times of temptation. You need to pray in times of stress, in need, in want. And uh, when you pray, you need to seek and look to God. Right? He's the solution. He's the answer. Talk with him. Right? Jesus said in John 16, 23, when you, he said, ask the Father in my name. Why? Because Jesus gave us the example. Jesus showed us how to talk with the Father so we can do it in his name. That means we can do it just like he did it. Amen? All right? Let's look at another instance. Go to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. What are we doing? We're looking at... Places and ways that Jesus prayed. Luke chapter 3, and uh, look at verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized, and what? And praying. What happened in his prayer? The heavens were opened. How do you think the heavens were opened? Jesus was talking to his father while he was getting baptized and God's presence came on the scene and God's power was there. The heavens opened, okay? And notice the Holy Ghost descended. I'm telling you, you ought to have God's presence come into your prayer time. That's praying effectively. See, while he was praying, the heavens were open, the Holy Ghost descended like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. That's my boy. I'm pleased with him. God is never proud, but he's, also, he's very pleased. Amen? He had, heaven was open when he prayed. Holy Ghost came down when he prayed. God's voice spoke when he prayed. There's interaction going on here. Jesus is praying and the Father is responding. That's communication. That's prayer. Hallelujah. That's Jesus. Glory to God. All right? Go to Luke 11. Luke 11 and verse 1. Luke 11, verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was what? Praying. As he was praying. In a certain place. Jesus had places where he would go to pray. When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord... Teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. When, and then he said to them, and we call this the Lord's Prayer, but it's really principles of prayer. 
When you pray, you need to honor God. When you, need, when you pray, you need to forgive. When you, need, when you pray, you need to trust God for your needs. Amen? Amen? He was giving us principles to pray. Jesus didn't say, this is, this is my prayer. He said, say this. You know, he said, uh, our Father, our, every prayer ought to be directed to the Father. And it's, we get to the Father through Jesus. You can't get to the Father any other way. Jesus' name is the key to the Father. So if you want to pray to the Father, you've got to pray in Jesus' name. Okay? And then, where's God? He's in heaven, right? Hallowed be the name. Praise be to your name. He is exalting God. He's exalting his Father while he prays. We ought to, when we pray, we shouldn't start off our prayer with the problem. Unless you're in an emergency. But we ought to start off our prayer with praise. We ought to give God some praise for who he is and what he's done. We ought to exalt God. Amen. He's a big God. He's a good God. He's a great God. Amen. That'll get your prayers uh, on the right track. Why? Because it puts your focus on God. The minute you start praising God, you cease to focus on your problem. You focus on the solution. And Jesus prayed. All right. Go to Luke 22. Luke 22, and look at verse 31. Luke 30, uh, 22, Luke 22 and verse 31. And the Lord said, this is when the, the devil wanted to sift Peter. He wanted to, the devil wanted to take out Peter because he was one of Jesus' closest followers. Okay, so 31, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, you know, when when the Lord says your name twice, you better listen. Because he's about to say something very important. Okay, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you like wheat. But I have what? What did he pray? He prayed that his faith would not fail. And when you are converted, when you are converted, Jesus had faith in his prayer. He knew that his prayer was going to be effective. He said, Peter, I prayed that your faith will fail not. And when you are converted, he knew that there was going to be a time when he was going to have a struggle. He was going to, he was going to doubt. He was even going to deny him. Peter told, or Jesus told Peter that. He knew that that was going to, but he knew because he prayed that his faith would not fail, that he would come back and he would strengthen the brethren. That's a positive prayer. That's how we got to end. We got to come out of our prayers knowing that what we prayed is going to happen. We got to come out of our prayers confident. Why? We had a talk with God. And I'm going to show you exactly how to do that. Okay? All right? Go to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. You know, now that Jesus rose from the dead, he hasn't stopped praying for you. Check this out. Hebrews 7 and verse 25. Now he's up in heaven right now. Look at verse 25. Hebrews 7, 25. Wherefore, 
He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God. You know, if people need to be saved, but they got to come to God. Okay? By him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. Intercession is a type of prayer. Not only is he building your mansion, but he is interceding for you while he's building your mansion. He is in heaven. He is ever living to make intercession for you, for every believer. Our God's an intercessor. Well, he is a high priest, right? And high priests pray. Amen? He knows how to pray. Hallelujah. He showed us how to pray, right? He, when, when he was in the garden facing his most stressful moment on his flesh. What did he do? He prayed at least for an hour. Everybody say for an hour. Now the disciples couldn't even pray for an hour. They were falling asleep. Jesus prayed three times. He prayed, Lord, of this cup uh, that you've given me, let it pass, but not my will, yours. But what was he praying? He was praying the prayer of consecration, dedication, and commitment to God's will. He Look, yeah, he, this was what he was facing, and if there's a way out of it, fine, but if not, not my will, but yours be done. He totally consecrated, dedicated, and committed himself to do what God wanted him to do, no matter what. How did he do that? It's called praying through. He prayed until he, he was able to confidently leave that garden and go to his accusers. He was confident that he could lay his life down. He, he, he prayed, and Luke tells us that his, he prayed so intensely that his sweat was like drops of blood. Figures a, a doctor would write that. You know, when he was encouraging his three closest disciples, come on, pray with me, come on, pray with me. That's not how, how we pray. But that's what Peter, James, and John were doing. They were sleeping. Jesus, and then the third time he said, let's, let's go, boys. You know, you, you had your time, you're done, let's go, it's, it's time. Thank God Jesus prayed. Amen? Jesus, oh, go, this is a good one. Go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Hallelujah. This is a good one. Look at verse 41. John 11, verse 41. This is at the tomb of Lazarus. I want you to notice what Jesus said. John chapter 11, verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes. Didn't say he closed his eyes, did it? said he lifted up his eyes. You know, some, I've often wondered about this. Sometimes we spend too much of our time praying with our eyes closed. We need to watch sometimes. You know, right? Be like Popeye. Pray with one eye open. So he lifted up his eyes. Why? He's looking to his father. He's looking to God. You know, we got to be looking unto Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our father. He lifted up his eyes. All right? And said, he used his voice. He didn't think it. He used his voice. Everybody say his voice. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. 
He knew that the Father hears him praise. I thank you that. Now, this this is not the best part. Look at this. Verse 42. And I knew that you hear me. How often? Always. Why? He was in constant fellowship, constant communication, constant relationship with his father. He knew his voice. His father knew his voice. Why? They talked often. But because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that you sent me. He already knew that God heard him, but he was saying it for the benefit of those around him. Man, wouldn't you like to learn for someone who prays like that? Father, I thank you that you hear me, but you always hear me. But I, you know, yeah, tell me how to pray. How do, how do I pray like that? I'm so glad you asked. All right? One of the greatest things that we could do to make our prayers effective and powerful and rich and producing good results is to pray the word. Everybody say the word. Who was Jesus in the flesh? He was the word. So the word was having conversation with the father. So Jesus is the word. And every time he prayed, it was the word praying. Right? When we get to know how to pray the word, your prayers will be off the charts. Your prayers will be powerful. Your prayers will produce incredible results. They will always get what they go for. Amen? This is my final point of the day, but not my final scripture. Go to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. I got to lay the groundwork of praying the word. You know, people pray what they feel. People pray what they think. People pray the opinions of others. Let's just pray the word. The Bible is God's word. Jeremiah 1.12. Notice what it says. Then said the Lord unto me, you have, you have well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. I will watch over my word to what? So when we pray, we've got to pray God's word to him because that's what he's going to perform. He doesn't perform our feelings. <laughs> he doesn't perform our emotions. But he performs his word. And he watches over it. God is waiting for us to speak his word to him. Why do you think he gave us a book full of words so that we can tell these words back to him? All right? Go to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Look at verse 11. Isaiah 55, verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. God is waiting for you to return his word to him. But it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing where I sent it. When we give God's word back to him, it's going to be performed. It's going to be done. It's going to be carried out. God is telling us this himself. 
Go to Matthew 24. Your fingers are going to get a really good workout. Matthew 24, verse 35. This is powerful. Check out how God values his word. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall what? Never pass away. Isn't that powerful? How did God create this world? Through words, right? How is our situation going to change? Through our words, right? Not just our words, but us speaking God's word. Do we have the authority to speak God's word? Absolutely. Did you know that the disciples healed people just like Jesus healed people? Because he gave them that authority. You know that the disciples cast out devils just like Jesus cast out devils. Why? He gave them his authority. He said, go and do this. He gave, he gave, he delegated his authority to us in his name. Amen? His name is always associated with his word. When you pray in the name, you're praying according to the word. Alright? Go to Numbers 23. Numbers 23. Hallelujah. Pastor, you're just making us turn to all these things. Yes, it's so fun, isn't it? Numbers 23 and verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken, and shall he not make it good? God will back his word. God will perform his word. God will do his word. Hallelujah. Okay? Go to Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40. Hallelujah. Isaiah 40 and verse 8. Look at this. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord shall what? Stand forever. Hallelujah. Okay? Go to Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45, verses 2 and 3. Notice what this says. Are you doing okay? I'm having a great time. Isaiah 45, verses 2 and 3. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. And I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, which call you by name, am the God of Israel. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He is the God of Israel. Amen. All right, go to John 15, 7. John 15, 7. Almost done. Hallelujah. I'm glad you didn't say amen on that. (laughs) John 15, 7. Notice the power, but notice the qualification. It says, if you abide in me. Okay? He's talking about having a relationship. If you abide in me. Abide means to hang out, to dwell, to remain. Right? If you abide in me, and then he said, if my words, words, plural, abide in you, right? What, 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 what okay, we're qualified because we have a relationship with him. How does his word get to abide in us? 
It's the words that we do that he says. Those are the words that are abiding in us. You know, sometimes in the confession, I misquote the scripture because I I quote it like I remember it. Instead of glorious riches, I I get that word messed up because I remember it differently because it's a different version. So some, because based on what's inside of me, how I uh, let it abide in me, it comes out different. You know, sometimes I quote King James because I learned it in King James. I want you to know Jesus didn't speak Elizabethan English, right? Elizabethan English came out in the, in the 1611 when King James translated the Bible into English. Jesus spoke Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, plus he speaks all languages. Okay? So, notice, what's the first word of verse 7? If. It is conditional. You have got to decide that you are going to abide in him. And that means you're going to follow him, obey him, do what he says. All right? If you're not doing what he says, you are not abiding in him. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done. Is that not powerful? But not everybody qualifies. Because if you're not abiding in him and if his words aren't abiding in you, You're not going to be able to ask what you will and it shall be done. You've got to meet those first two qualifications in order for this to take place. Amen? So you come to a place like this and it gets the word in you. All right? Go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Okay? 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. Hallelujah. 1 John 5, 13. Glory to God. All right. Notice these things have I what written to you that you may that you believe on the name of the son of God. Where does faith come from? Hearing the word of God. Right. So this is reiterating the same thing. These things that I've written to you so that you may believe. Okay, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right. That you may know that you have eternal life. How many know that you have eternal life? All right? You've been born again. Amen? And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. What's his name? Jesus. He is the Word made flesh. Okay? Now look at verse 14. This is the confidence that we have in who? In him. Your confidence has to be in him, not in your ability, not in your power. Your confidence has to be in. Was David's confidence in his sling? Was David's confidence in his skill? His confidence was in the name of God. That's what he killed Goliath with. Right? So. This is the confidence that we have in him. If, everybody say if. That means you've got to ask, right? You know, prayer is you asking, you talking, all right? If we ask anything according to his will, what happens? He hears us. What is his will? His will is his word. They are synonymous. If you ask anything according to his word, God's ears perk up. 
That's my word. I'm ready to perform it. Say, come on, come on, say it, say it, daughter, say it, son. I'm ready. God is ready to pounce on that thing. But see, this is the confidence that if you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. See, not, not everybody, I'm not sure if it's your will. Remember the leper? Lord, I know that you can heal me. But will you? What did Jesus say? He took, put his hands on him and he said, I will. He fully declared, fully revealed what the Father's will was. All right? But then you got to look at verse 15. Okay? If we know that he hears us, how do we know that he hears us? Because I'm praying the word. I'm praying according to his will. I'm praying. I'm like-minded with God. We can be like-minded with God. Jesus said, let the same mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. We have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. We have the same mind. We can think the same thing. We can say the same thing. All right? If we know that he hears us, okay, we've already established he hears us because we're praying according to his will. If we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desired of him. Everybody say, we know. See, when you pray, that's praying in faith. Praying in faith is praying according to the word because that's what Jesus did. Jesus was the word communicating back with the Father. And this is how we know that our prayers will be effective, how, how they'll be powerful, how they'll, they'll increase results. There is a scripture for everything. There is a scripture for everything that you deal with in life. And therefore, you can pray the word about anything that you need in life. This is chalked full of God. Creative ability, creative power, uh, deliverance, freedom, strength. And when we have the ability, God gave us a book so that we can read it. He, he encourages us to study it. He encourages us to speak it. He told Joshua to meditate in it day and night that we might observe to do according. He also told Joshua, let not this book of the law depart out of your mouth. All Joshua had was what Moses wrote. He didn't have Philippians or Ephesians or Colossians or Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Joshua had limited knowledge, but God said, take that limited knowledge and w- when you speak it, when you meditate it, when you do it, you will have good success. You will make your way prosperous. But it's all in line with the word. Not apart from the word. I learned a long time ago, if you ever heard me pray, I pray scriptures. In the New Testament, God made it easy. He recorded an abundant amount of, I call them scriptural prayers. Paul prayed for Ephesians. He prayed in the Philippians. He prayed in Thessalonians. He prayed in Colossians. You can pray for strength. You can pray for wisdom. You can pray for direction. You can pray for guidance. It's all in there. Amen? But this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then whatsoever we ask. Why? Because then we're not, we're not asking in disagreement with him. We're walking in agreement with him. Amen? Just like Jesus walked with his father. 
They were in perfect harmony, perfect agreement. Jesus would pray at night. He would pray in the morning. He would pray when he needed to. Amen? When he would perform his miracles, he would give God thanks. He was always putting God first. He had a relationship. That's what made his prayer so powerful. That's what makes our prayer so powerful, is our relationship with God. Amen? We're walking with God. Hallelujah. Amen? Hallelujah. And in the book of James, but that's a whole other message, he says that when you're sick, you know, when you're sick, you, don't, you might not have the strength to pray for yourself. So what does he say? Call for the elders of the church. You know, um, if you're struggling in life and you don't feel like you can pray, call. Because no man is an island to themselves. Unless the Lord tells us what's going on, we don't know what's going on. But if you're struggling, we're here, we're available. You can call us. Call the church. Amen? We'll pray for you. Why? We believe in the power of prayer. And if we can, we'll lay hands on you. Amen? Because this is what we do. We, We love praying for people. But we don't know if you're struggling. Unless you say so. Unless you communicate it. It's called relationship. Relationship. Amen? This is how to pray effectively. Jesus demonstrated it. And we can do the same. Because God wants our prayers powerful. Your prayers can change things. Now, you can pray for people, but God doesn't interfere with their will. Okay? But God has ways of softening hearts. But if a person chooses not to obey God, that's their choice. God will never interfere with your choice. He'll let you choose yourself. He'll let you choose this world. God will let you do it. But let me tell you something. You choose that way, the end is not good. You're headed for a dead end. If you, if you don't choose God, he's not, he's not, he doesn't condemn you, but the word that he wrote is going to condemn you, right? Because if you don't choose God and you die, you end up in hell. Hell is a place of torment. It is not a party place. Where I grew up in my hometown, people thought, oh, I'm just going to party in hell with all my friends. No, you're not. You're going to be tormented. You're going to suffer. It's, it's a place where the worm never dies, where the fire never goes out, and uh, you don't want to go there. Jesus did everything he could to let you not go there, but you got to choose. Jesus, the Bible says, I've set before you life or death, the blessing and the curse. He said, I would that you choose life. But if you want to choose death, you can choose death. That's your choice. God will not interfere with your choice. He gives us the freedom to choose. But be careful of what you choose because there are consequences and we can't blame God for sending us to hell because he gave us a ticket out of it. He sent Jesus Christ to save the world, not to condemn the world. He came to seek and save that which was lost. And let me tell you something. Just going to church is not having a relationship with Jesus. You can go to, there's a lot of people that have gone to this church and, and gone and left. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. But going to church is part of a relationship. I mean, think about it. If you go to a university and you never attend class, are you going to graduate? That's what some people think. 
God designed this church as a family. And believe me, there's no one that feels the pain of the family more than I do. Because I see things that not everybody sees. I hear things that not everybody hears. And believe me, when someone, I don't often know why people leave. But when they do, it breaks my heart. Especially when they could have uh, communicated with me about what they were going through, but they don't. Because I love people. I love the people of ECF, and we have given our life here, and we're going to continue to give because God brought us here. Amen? And I believe that God wants to do something great here. And uh, we just need everybody working together for that. Because do you realize people need what you have on the inside of you? You, you? you encounter people all throughout your week that need what you have. And you can help them get it. And uh, you just need to show them Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. So prayer. We can pray effectively. We can pray like Jesus prayed. We can pray his word. And it's the most powerful way to pray. Amen? And uh, you'll find that when someone asks you for prayer or you need to pray for something in your life or your family or whatever, that the Holy Spirit will bring scriptures to your mind. You know why he does that? Because that's what he wants you to pray. Amen? And uh, he'll, he'll work with you. Because he is, he knows what scripture to apply where. He, he wrote the book. Oh, he said, oh, I know this will fit there. Oh, yeah, this will fit right here. You know, not every wrench fits every nut. Isn't that right? You, you need different wrenches. Right? <laughs> but thank God God's got more than enough wrenches in his toolbox to fit every nut. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can you stand to your feet, everybody? Glory to God. I just want to pray for our friends online. If you're watching this today and you need prayer for your life, call the, call the church, 717-838-2033. Call us and we'll be glad to pray for you. Email us. We'll be glad to pray for you because we believe in the power of prayer. Prayer works. Amen. So God bless you. Father, I give you thanks and praise today for the people that have come here. And Lord, we give you thanks for teaching us your word by the power of your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. And we give you all the glory and all the praise. And if you're here this morning and you would like prayer for anything in your life, I want you to come and we're going to pray. We're going to pray that produces results. It's going to have power. It's going to be released in your situation. Amen. And uh, if you need prayer for anything, prayer for uh, anything that's going on in, in in yourself or in your home or anything, I just want to invite you to come up right now and uh, we'll be glad to pray for you. Hallelujah.